This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Five years ago, Sarah Nicole, better known as the bird's papaya, embarked on a journey to get out of a rut she was in and better her life. She went through massive life change over the course of the next years. She lost 100 pounds, went through a divorce, and navigated life as a single mom. Today, Sarah is remarried, has three beautiful kids, and is inspiration to hundreds of thousands of women on social media. By using her Instagram as her journal, she is helping others see and understand their worth, love their bodies, feel less alone in the world, and be okay with life's little shakeups. Grab a coffee, pour yourself a glass of wine, get comfy, and join Sarah and I as we talk about shifting from a diet mindset to a place of self-love, raising kids with confidence, tummy tucks, and what she believes women need to do in order to change the way the world sees us and our bodies. Sarah, we are so happy to have you here today. I am so happy to be here. So definitely major thanks to you. Amazing. Can we just start off? How old are you? 34. I hate saying that out loud. It sounds so old. I feel like 23, but then that sounds irresponsible. But Thirty-four is so young. Oh, I love. I honestly, I wish people told me how fun thirties were. Thirties seems so old to me, and now that I'm in it, I'm like, no, this is the best. You have like emotional maturity, and then you have like all of this owning of your life. It's so freeing. I love it. And you have lived, like you have lived those thirty-four years. Let's talk a little bit about your story and what led you to, you know, becoming this woman that you are, this powerhouse woman that you are. (laughs) So you were a mom. And from what I understand, you had an Etsy shop and you had two kids at the time or three kids? Two, just my two little girls. So I was probably about 23 when that started. Yeah. Okay. And you had your two little girls and you all of a sudden got to this point where you were like, I am not happy in my body. What was it that kind of triggered this moment or this this time in your life where you realized that you wanted to make some changes for yourself? Sure. So I'll backtrack that a little bit because I the birth of Paya was actually born out of my two daughters' nicknames. But it wasn't actually the birth of Paya as like the transformation girl until I was about 28. So I had all three kids mm. by that point. Um, all three of them were born by the time I was 25. And I was a stay-at-home mom. So I was very used to being uber comfortable in just life. I was not somebody who was very content, but I was very scared to change anything. So I was a young mom and my life was about my kids. And uh, for about four years, I lived away from home and I had my son as well and in a different city. And when we came and moved back home to my hometown, there were a few little what I call light bulb moments. And my first one was just like really recognizing how disengaged I was from my kids when they were doing things like swimming in a pool or wanting to do activities in public. Um, The second one was just not wanting to go in public because I had this like, I couldn't really identify its shame around being seen by people. And the third was when 
picture was posted of me on Facebook that really just glaringly showed me how maybe out of control some of my food addiction habits had gotten. And I was quite a bit overweight. And I just felt a lot of shame around that. And so that's kind of like the starting point in which I recognized that I needed to do some things to get healthy if I wanted to start living life with my kids. Amazing. So I feel like so many women out there can relate and are possibly in a place where they're like, I don't feel my best or I wish I was more confident or I know I need to lose weight, not from you know a physical appearance standpoint, but just from the way that I feel and to get more energy, but they are stuck <laughs> in a rut and maybe you know try something for a couple of weeks, but then find themselves back where they were. How did your journey unfold? Like, how did you stay on the path and what did that path look like? How did that journey kind of unfold into a healthier version of Sarah? Well, I will say that I wish I was one of those people that could say that I started my entire journey as like, I just wanted to love myself and be a better version of myself. I was very just ashamed. My journey through weight loss was stemmed out of self-hate. And I won't deny that now because I recognize that at the end of the journey, which we'll talk about in a bit. But so I understood that like nothing had really worked for me in the past. A lot of these extreme ways of weight loss are, I shouldn't say extreme, but a lot of programs, different things, they wire a lot of us. And I didn't have that. I was a stay at home mom of three kids with only one vehicle. My only options were to work out at home and eat the food that I was already, you know, used to being in relationship with. So I had to start really recognizing where I could make these small changes that weren't going to cost me a lot of money and that I could do at home with my kids around all of these little things. So a big one for me was I actually just started exercising every single day, even just for like 20 minutes. And uh, I started changing how I looked at food. I just started educating myself. I don't think I ever really looked at food before in a way that it could be fuel for my body. I think I just always was looking at different things I craved and how to fill myself. So I really started looking at food very differently and pretty quickly noticed that some of my chronic issues like IBS and chronic fatigue were really starting to improve and my body really, really responded to it. And I lost about 80 pounds in that first year. Wow. And so that was, as you said, small changes and 20 to 30 minutes of working out every day. Absolutely. I, the reason I said every day and at the very, very beginning, I tried to do like three to five days a week, but I found myself in negotiation with myself all the time. I was constantly bartering like, oh, I'll just do it tomorrow. I'll do it when it's a more convenient time before realizing that there really isn't always an, a convenient time. And sometimes it's just taking that effort to say yes. And I ended up really falling in love with the process. So whether my son was working out with me or whether I locked the door and turned on music and just danced in my bedroom doing some squats, uh, like whatever it was, it became so therapeutic for me. And to this day, I kind of try and keep myself to that regardless of like different circumstances. Sometimes if I'm traveling or if I'm sick, like I don't put a lot of pressure on myself to be that rigid. But at the beginning, I needed like a lot of structure because I was really kind of relearning how to live in an entire way. So that can be really beneficial. And it can also be a little bit difficult too, because when you start becoming very rigid about things, it makes it more and more difficult to come out of that rigidness, which was kind of my journey at the end of it. Yeah, I was going to ask. Sometimes I feel like when we create such a rigid structure, whether it's around food or a movement or diet or whatever it is, that 
that can kind of become controlling, that our mind can get stuck on that and that we start to, that becomes our only focus. How did you manage that? I didn't for years. I really didn't. I didn't see it as an issue um, because I I struggled with such food addiction. I really felt like the only way to be in control of that was to kind of control it, was to track my food, to track my intake. I knew the calories of everything everywhere. I went from not understanding food in any way to over-understanding it. I was almost over-educated in everything. So coming out of that, I, I feel like what happens is there's a lot of people who kind of go through these big transformations. And at the end of it, when you start to realize like it's time to step away from that, there isn't really a lot of information. There isn't really a lot of information that teaches you how to exit out of diet culture and exit out of like that mindset of having to track everything, weighing yourself every day. All these things that you did to kind of stay on track are now really becoming detrimental to you. They start to become an obsession. They start to become unhealthy. So all of those health efforts can suddenly shift and it can be slow and weird. And suddenly you're just in this weird place where a single pound can derail your entire day and your mental thoughts. And you become obsessive over what your food intake is, which dances on the line of an eating disorder. So not fully diagnosed with that, but something that I recognize now looking back that I was very much dancing on the line of at the end of it, because diet and eating disorder, they can go hand in hand. It's just sometimes we look at the structure of the person who's doing it as opposed to like if somebody was 100 pounds and counting their calories, we consider that an eating disorder. If somebody's 200 pounds and eating and counting their calories, we consider that a diet. Finding that healthy balance in relationship with food was about a two year struggle for me, just kind of exiting out of weight loss and into just healthy body. It's definitely a conversation that I continue to unpack, to be honest. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash rawbeautytalks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash rawbeautytalks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L com slash Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. 
friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code rawbeautytalks at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code rawbeautytalks. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. It's really, really hard. And my personal story is so similar to what I'm hearing from you in so many ways, except for that I wasn't able to find that balance after I got into that lifestyle of dieting and watching my weight and ended up with a full-blown eating disorder. So I feel like this is such an important piece of the conversation because there are so many women out there who are stuck in that place where they've started to count calories, they're at the gym every day, they feel that if they aren't able to keep themselves within the structure that they've created, that they're failing, that they're not good enough, that they might slip and go back to where they were before. So how on earth do you remove yourself from that diet culture, from that weight loss culture, from all of the praise that you probably received from people seeing you transform and move into a space where there's a bit more balance, where there's a little bit more ebb and flow? Yeah, I love that. The ebb and flow. My husband uses that all the time. A lot of it actually came from when I dipped down too low. I was 114 pounds and I'm 5'8". So 114 pounds on me was like a size zero, size two. I was quite frail and thin. I was down that low because when a lot of people stress eat, I stress under eat. And I was really overworking myself, going through this divorce very privately and quietly. And yet I was praised for my weight loss, like as I had been before, but people were condoning me on how good I looked and I've never looked better. And then at the same time, I was being thrown into eating disorder accusations. And it became like really uncomfortable for me that nobody was seeing that I actually just had a big life issue going on. And so it kind of started to wake me up to how bizarre these comments can be around our weight and our bodies. And at the same time, recognizing that here I was at 114 pounds, which was definitely underweight and still not happy with my body. I was still picking myself apart. I was still seeing where I could lose weight. I still saw things that jiggled that I wanted nipped and tucked and changed. And it became a season of awareness for me. I really started having my eyes open to that this diet culture had really taught me. It was all about perfectionism. It was all about refining one's body. And because I didn't fit that perfect fitness mold, I felt like I was never good enough. I wasn't the same success story that I was seeing all over social media. And at the same time, there was this in the background with this body positive movement this movement of women who were bold and confident in their bodies, regardless of their shape and size. And I felt like I couldn't look at it. I couldn't look at it because it was telling me that there was happiness and acceptance in somebody's body as is when all I was trying to do was perfect my own. I wasn't ready to hear it. So this background buzz was just there. So for me, the shift kind of just became slowly kind of peeking my eyes open to it and slowly just starting to recognize these things were really making me feel like crap. And at at the same time, I'm dealing with so much guilt because here I was this, you know, perfect story of weight loss. And here I was at the end of it going, how do I tell people that I'm not happy? How do I tell people that at the end of this journey, I'm still struggling? That was so hard. It was so hard when I had this platform that I built around like having a healthy lifestyle and changing your relationship with your food and your body. But I never took into consideration 
my heart and my soul and my, like my mind, all of these things that were complete units to my overall health. I had become too rigid. I'd become too perfectionism with things. I'd become so anxious about my body, about what I was eating. I was really going down a path that, I mean, I could have continued down, but thankfully instead I just completely pivoted and I changed my messaging entirely. And I left up all those old posts because I love people being able to go back to them and see how I truly did progress away from them. Big piece of that was some um, following better accounts, accounts like yours, accounts that really made me feel uplifted, made me feel normal, made me feel alive and well and honoring to my body, eating because I love my body, exercising because I love my body, stopping doing things because I hate myself and stop the over perfectionism. So much anxiety lifted away from me. Yeah, I just started getting rid of the accounts that I was following that were making me feel like crap and follow all the ones that were making me feel whole. And it totally, totally changed my life. Do you have any accounts that you would recommend to people who are listening to follow? Oh, there's so many. I would say yours is a really good one. I also love um, Mixazon. She's a bit younger than me, but she's so great at just reminding me to like ditch the scale. Yet she's like this beautiful, active woman who talks a lot about just like that, that swing from one to the other. Healthy is the new skinny is a really good one. Love Katie. Wilcox, she's really, really great. I weigh movement is really good. I underscore way. There's quite a few of them. Sometimes I find that you connect with like different people on different levels. So sometimes it can be like body posy panda is an incredible mover and shaker in the things, but I, I haven't connected with her as much as I've connected with other people, but sometimes I really do. I love, um, Kenzie Brenna. She's a very scientific mind. Whenever she speaks and writes, it's comes with a, such a psychology around things and a science around things and really explains and unpacks things in a way that I never could. She, again, is somebody who went through a weight loss journey and then discovering herself again afterwards. There's so many women. I feel like I've only just gotten the tip of the iceberg at how incredible these women in this movement is. It's powerful stuff. And we'll make sure we link to all of those people that you just mentioned in the show notes. I want to go back for a second because as you were speaking, I had so many questions coming to mind. Um, and there's one that's sort of sticking out. I want to talk a little bit about the divorce that you went through while you were on this journey. I want, I'm curious to know, like, did the weight loss, did the mindset shift that you were going through, did any of that have an impact on your relationship, which was obviously a significant relationship in your life? You were married to this man. Yeah, I was married for 11 years. I got married at 19. I definitely didn't know myself yet. And we were thrust into being parents very young as well, like all three kids by the time I was 25. So here I am at age 28 and I'm sort of tapping into who I am and I'm tapping into what healthy looks like. And this very glaringly obvious factor in my life was an unhealthy marriage. And uh, I don't talk too, too openly on it only because I do have kids who are of the age of social media. So of course, because we co-parent, we don't openly speak too much on the whys, but I will speak into my own personal experience with that. And that was just that it was unhealthy. I was very much no longer wanting to exist on a day-to-day basis because I had this big, huge wound in my life that I was trying to heal from by like just bandaging all the time. So I did go to therapy and I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress. It just became very, very obvious to me that I had to 
do something in order to be a mother to my children, in order to be a good mother to my children. So three years after me actually saying the words, I want a divorce, I did very calmly on a normal Wednesday in November of 2015, packed up my kids and went and moved into my parents' house uh, where I stayed for about a year and a half. It was a humbling experience. So much of what held me back was material things like my home and what people would think and what would be said about me. I understood from the outside looking in all that anybody would see was this girl who lost 100 pounds and left her husband. I knew full well what was going to be said of me. I knew full well how it looked. Very quickly, a woman in my life who has been a mentor of mine for a long time, she called me up and she said, listen, you're going to have a few people that are going to know and everybody else, you are not going to have to answer their whys. You are not going to have to fill in the blanks. Keep your circle tight, keep it close, and keep your skin thick and just move forward. So it was hard because for about a year and a half, I had all of these people being like, what happened? I heard she had an affair. I heard this happened. I heard she's just, she's little Miss Hotshot. She's too good for this. She's too good for that. Had no idea what I had gone through. Had no idea what was going on, the depths of where I was. Had I died, it would have been a tragedy, but a divorce seemed like I was just in the wrong. It made me very aware of my own past judgments of other people in relationships and when relationships end and we always want to assume the answer of why. It's taught me so much about some of my own spirit towards marriage and stuff as well. And understanding that we need to value people more than we do a marriage. And that was a really difficult thing for me to wrap my head around that I was valuable and that I deserved a life and that I did not have to lay my life down for this one marriage and that I could rebuild. And that rebuild was going to be very, very humbling because I was going to essentially lose everything. I was going to lose friends. I was going to lose everything I knew, my home. I was going to lose my kids half of the time because you share custody. There was all of this loss that I was very focused on for about three years. So coming away from that, having that humbling experience and then doing the rebuild, gosh, it was like, I always say to people, you cannot ever understand what light is until you've experienced the dark. And so everything from there on out was such an intentional decision and such a trusting moment. And and things just like weirdly fell into place. Like just everything just kind of locked and loaded, like within two weeks, I was given a job that like literally landed in my lap. It would be the job in which I met my now husband in my best friend. I met in another job. I was working two jobs. We had all of these weird connections. So all of that loss ended up just flatlining my life to a place where I could build a bigger and better foundation moving forward. Absolutely. And wow, an act of self-love for you to stand in your strength and to make such a hard decision, not knowing what the outcome would be. There's no ability to see that your future husband is there and that you'll find a job and that you'll, you know, create this epic tribe of women who are following you. It's It feels like you're stepping off the edge of the yeah. earth, but you did it. You did it for yourself. And everything, as you said, sort of started to fall into place from there. Yeah. And and none of it would have happened had I been complacent in just staying what, what I thought everybody else wanted for me. I think I started to really become very aware how short life is 
And I really began to respect what marriage truly does mean. Can you share a little bit about what what marriage means to you now? So now I approach it very differently. It always feels like a choice. And a lot of people think that the moment you sign that paper, that's like locked and loaded forever. And both Shane and I, my husband, he's been married before as well. We understand that, you know, things can end in divorce. We understand that even though you were married, it is not guaranteed forever. And there is every day a choice to wake up and to love each other and to do hard things. And that choice remains at the center of our relationship every single day. I feel that in such a very real way. So that's been huge for us. It's been really, really huge, to be honest. I think a lot of things like just being intentional about how we love and tapping into what that looks like for each other. And I think maybe some of it stems from fear of like our past and just having that failure, just understanding that it does take work and it does take hard conversations. Like we had a really blowout fight last week and all I could think was this sucks so much, but I'm so glad I'm fighting for something. Like I'm so glad that Mm. I'm, I'm in a place where I want this to be better. I don't want this to just go wrong and end. I want this to be better. And that's why we're doing this hard thing. We're not doing it because we're enduring something. We're doing it because we want to be better as a couple. So it's just changed, I think, the way I approach relationships as a whole, trusting somebody, feeling safe with somebody, having somebody know you to a really bizarre degree. Like Shane knows all my secrets. And I don't think I did that before. I don't think I was very good at being very open. I think I was very good at being what I thought everybody wanted me to be and understanding after that how suffocating that can feel. I never really thought or planned on getting remarried again. I was just super into loving who I was and becoming who I truly was and being a mother in that way and making friends in that way. Being genuine is like at my core now. Like I don't ever want to be this person that isn't being genuine because I realize now how suffocating that really is in the long run. So having somebody love you for who you truly are, even when you're like completely psychotic sometimes, it's amazing. So having somebody love you through that, it's so worth it. It's so refreshing. It just feels real. You walk in and there's a comfort because like your person who knows you is there. How does somebody practice authenticity or showing up in a genuine way if there's somebody who has been a people pleaser? Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I'm in a relationship and I don't feel like I'm always able to voice what I need or share how I feel or I have that perfectionist nature. Where do you start in allowing yourself to just show up? Honestly, my therapist helped me so much. Even this was like five years ago, some of her words just still are in my ear. I feel them all the time. She used to share with me how I was such a sponge. I just took everybody's opinions and I made them my own. And I I didn't really fully understand what my own were yet. So some of the things I did that kind of challenged myself and my own individuality was just writing was a big one, just like getting things out and understanding myself in a way that was very intimate traveling solo. uh, That was one thing that I did that scared the crap out of me, but really just helped me feel like an individual human going through therapy, like therapy needs to be celebrated in a bigger way because it was so amazing for me to have somebody who could listen to my story, have zero benefits or minuses by talking to me, just being able to listen and give me feedback. Oh, it was like some of the best conversations I've ever had, just having somebody teach me about how to form my own opinions. So Seriously, thank God for therapists. Thank God for coaches. Thank God for nurses, for all these people doing this hard work out there. (laughs) 
I remember my therapist, like at one point I'd been seeing her for several months and I had not gone through a divorce or anything yet. And I was just like sitting there and she was like, Sarah, you know, everything you need to know, you know, exactly what you need to do. You have all the power to do it. Why aren't you? She basically, she wasn't firing me, but she was sitting there going, we're having the same conversation every week now. Right. At what point do you move? And at what point do you start grasping all of this? Because you understand it. You know it. It's there. At what point do you do it? And I was like, okay. And so I took a bit of a break from therapy because I was like, well, we just, we went down to sessions only once a month, just kind of like as a check-in. But I mean, she had kind of had to be hard on me a little bit and have me understand that like therapy was therapeutic, but it also required action. And I was so scared of the action pieces in that I was so scared of what people would think of me and like pushing back at people. And you know what? It was scary, but it also was, it changed who I was as a person becoming my own self and not being what everybody else wanted of me was incredibly powerful in every aspect. You know, I, sometimes it's uh, easier to think of it when you're thinking of your children, like, what would you want your kids to do if they were in your position? And you're like, I want them to stand up for themselves. I want them to have their own opinion. I want them to, you know, not lay down their lives for the happiness of everybody else. But we find that so hard when we're looking at it from our own point of view. We just see injury and sadness and everything of loss. We have no idea how important it is when we build ourselves back up again, how much that overflows into the lives around us and how it's not a loss at all. It's it's a complete refill for everybody. I don't really know how it really becomes like this genuine piece of you, but it slowly does just like finding yourself again. It's a practice. It is a practice. It it does take some intentional aloneness. It takes some quiet time. It takes doing things that scare you and it takes forming your own opinions and not necessarily just believing everybody else's all the time and, and being okay with just having difference of opinions. I mean, that's usually hard when you're in a relationship with someone because it creates combat. But I can say firsthand, like my husband and I do not agree on everything, but we have such respect for each other. And that has, I no longer feel like I need to agree with what his thoughts are in order for us to have relationships. It's healthy. That's what creates growth in a relationship. If we were in a relationship with somebody who agreed with everything we said and had all the same beliefs, life would be super boring. And we wouldn't grow as individuals at all. I often feel like our partners are really the ones who help us grow the most and change our perspectives and see the world differently and shine the light on our dark spots. Like those people are the ones that get the nitty gritty of everything. But those relationships also have such a powerful transformative ability as well. And on that note, we will be right back after a word from this episode's sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my favorite online stores, Arc Apparel, where you can shop for clothes, accessories, and beauty products totally guilt-free because everything is responsibly produced by companies that care about you and our planet. Find beautiful brands like People Tree, Faithful the Brand, and Levi's so that you don't have to compromise style. One thing I'm absolutely loving right now is their amazing selection of dresses and jumpsuits from Faithful, which are absolutely perfect for spring. Use the discount code RAWBEAUTY to receive 20% off your first order at www.arcapparel.ca. You can also find them on Instagram at arcapparel.ca. We are back. 
How would you say that your journey to self-love has impacted your current relationship and your ability to find this new love that you have in your life? I feel like he kind of met me at a time that I was just coming through it. He actually met me when I was at my lowest weight and and I had a very comparative nature at that time. So I struggled with what his ex-girlfriends look like. And I struggled with what I thought he wanted of me. I formed opinions for him. And I think from a lot of our very honest conversations, I came to realize like there was this one moment he was talking about how, you know, life does ebb and flow and how he gains and loses 30 pounds every year because he likes to eat healthy and work out, but he also really loves beer in the summer and it always catches up with him. And he's like, but those are happiness for me. And I value those just as much. And I was like, oh, it's interesting. And we'd have all these conversations and at some point it made me realize that like, he is my ideal guy. And then by no means do I ever see his like body shape reflected in media. Like we never see it. Yeah. Women, we see this image in media that we assume all men want. And we forget that maybe that's not what they want either. Maybe it's more than that. Maybe they actually appreciate these things about us. And I had made all the assumptions for him about what he wanted in women and what he liked. And I was completely wrong and having a lot of like really vulnerable conversations with him, like just talking about the fact that, you know, I had stretch marks and most women who come through having kids with their spouse and their body changes. It's like, well, this was from our child. This is from our people that we formed together. And like these changes are something that we both go through. I came in and I was like, Hey, like, no, you've never been with anybody who's a mom before, but like, this is a postpartum body. And so I was very hidden from him. And I really like stripped myself of a lot of intimacy and whatnot with him because I was just like ashamed of that. So part of my own journey through self-accepting, which came from a lot of that social media detoxing and like really tapping into like some better, healthier messaging started to really come out to play in my relationship too, because suddenly I felt like a badass boss queen in my home. And I felt like it around him. And he's this guy who is insanely respectful. Like it's weird because you're so used to men like commenting on you and he will not comment on my body. So it was like really weird. Cause I was like, well, do I look good or do I not? Like, what is this? And I was constantly looking for like that validation from him. Yes. The affirmation, give it yeah, to like, me. Give me something. Right. And he's like, I don't know. I think you always look beautiful. Like you, I think you're way more beautiful than you'll ever understand. And you'll ever see He's like, you're so stunning. And I, and I've thought that every step of the way, even though my body has ebbed and flow, like he sees me and I was like, oh, so like what? kind of threw it back on me. Like, what do I want? And how do I feel? And I made decisions for myself. And, you know, I dress for how I want to dress. And I do my hair for how I want to do my hair, because I'm not looking for that approval in my relationship, because I have it all the time. And so that was a huge uh, curveball for me. Because again, like you're, I think women are very, very used to validation out of the mouths of men and coming away from that and having somebody who is very accepting of me at all points was refreshing and a learning experience. He sounds amazing. And I think it's normal that we have these ideas of what we want or what we think that men want because we're shown that in media over and over again. And also boys and men are shown the same thing in media. So it does, I feel like, impact a lot of the way that guys do think about women and women's bodies and what's normal. And we know this is a growing issue with the accessibility of pornography for young men. And so it's so refreshing to hear uh, about this amazing man who is just 
able to say like, I love you unconditionally and stretch marks, whatever your boobs are doing. I don't know. I can't speak to your boobs since I had kids. My boobs are a whole different I don't know where they where my originals went, but they're long gone. <laughs> oh, I fully was like, just so you know, like once we get married and like I sell my house, I'm getting a tummy tuck, I'm getting a boob job, like I'm getting these things. And he was like, okay, I don't feel you need that, but like I want to support you in like whatever your choices are. And you know what? I ended up not getting anything. Do you still think about it sometimes? Like, is that still something that's on your mind? Funnily, no. Like, it's not anymore. It used to be a lot. It used to, it was fully in the plans, and I fully support people who make those choices for themselves I think there's a lot of confusion around body positivity and that stripping away our free will and choice yes thank in you planning on doing all of those things I was having such a huge shift and then at some point I, I was actually offered a free tummy tuck like a free one no so money was a factor yeah and I was like uh I don't want that I was actually a little offended uh yes offended that's fair <laughs> It's different if it's your choice. No, when somebody offered it and they're like, we can fix that problem for you. And I was like, no, how dare you? Like my children grew in the stomach. Like, no. Now, like my mom, her, like she's lost a significant amount of weight. She had a tummy tuck because she had an overhang that created like a rash and stuff. And that's why I'm like, oh girl, that is your choice. Like just because my choice isn't the same, doesn't make one of us right or the other one wrong. Totally. But I also think that like, it's so on us as women. And this is what I kind of try and do more of is just, if we want men and women to start normalizing all of these changes that our bodies go through or how our bodies have always been, we need to start showing up. Part of it is that it's all we're seeing because that's all that's showing up. If you only ever waited until you had a perfect bikini body to go to the beach, well, of course, all you're going to see at the beach is these perfect bikini bodies. But what if we brought our stretch marks there? What if we allowed our cellulite to hit the sun? Like, what if we did all of these things and we showed up on social media? We showed up every day at the gym normally. We showed up at the beach. We showed up on vacations. We showed up in our bedrooms. Like, how much that changes what society sees and what these young men and what these women are seeing as well. If we stop growing up with the standard, it takes us being vulnerable. It really does. And it's it's very scary. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's very scary, but so worth it. Sometimes I have to come outside of myself. Like there are moments where I'm like, oh, I really don't like that. My cellulite is like hella out there in the angle of the sun right now. But if one little girl sees it, and sees it as normal, and maybe perhaps even beautiful, that's going to be a pivotal mustard seed in her mind that'll potentially project into the rest of her life. So sometimes I have to think outside of that. I have to think into my daughters. I have to think into all these other things, these changes that we go through and being okay with that and being okay with like the choices that we make, whether it is being in a two-piece or whether it's being in a full piece with a sarong on top, just whatever it is, just like owning our decisions with our own bodies and just like showing up a little bit more in them. Well, thank you so much for showing up in the way that you show up because it hasn't just impacted one little girl. It has impacted thousands and thousands of women who, you know, some of whom have their own children. It's impacting them. And you're doing it with such grace and with such beauty and all wrapped up with sort of this healthy living that stems not only from being like physically healthy in your body, but from a mindset perspective as well, which is so, so important. So I have a couple of questions for you from the Raw Beauty audience, uh, which we will dive into now if you're open to it. Of course. 
Okay, so the first question is from Tage Harris. She asks, how are you raising your kids so that they don't have to go through the same struggles as you did? Oh, I mean, that's hard. My, I remember when I was in grade seven and I was called fat for the first time. And sure enough, my daughter in grade five was called fat for the first time. And it just brought back a flood of emotions for me. I think we all deal with it. I think we all go through the same things and we do our best. I feel like in parenting, we never really truly know what's right and what's wrong. There is no measure of it, but I do find myself a lot more cognizant of using words like strong and capable and talking about food again, like as fuel and as like, this is a moment of enjoyment and less of that sugar. Like sugar is a hard one in our house because I think that kids just love it. And sometimes I have to explain to them that like sugar is something that we we can use for celebrations and we can like use for joy. But I wouldn't say like sugar is going to make you fat. Things like that do not exist in our life. We don't use words like that. So using words like strong and capable and smart and kind and loving and just, and also I would say even bigger than that is changing the way I talk about myself. I think that little girls, especially their confidence comes a lot of times from their bigger examples. And that is us. So when I'm you know, speaking and eating, or they see me eating something different that they think is disgusting. I explained to them, like, I actually just love my body and it really needs these nutrients right now. So that's why we're doing it. I'm not like, I have to fit into a size four dress next week. So I'm going to have to eat this salad. But like nonstop, (laughs) we have very real conversations about like the whys. And I allow them that same choice. They still have full authority over their choices around their bodies and what they eat. And I just educate them as much as possible over what's good and kind of guide them in a good direction but just like instilling confidence sometimes I actually like my younger daughter isn't on social media yet so sometimes I will just like when I see somebody who's kind of shown up in a really like curvaceous like confident way I'll be like oh my gosh look up like look how like beautiful this photo is like isn't this girl like so amazing and confident and just like yes. not saying to her like look she's confident even though she's it's like no this girl is friggin' badass and beautiful and like we need to all celebrate that not be like not even though she even though this like just really kind of relaying kind of the even the own messaging that I've gotten over the years and just like spurring it back onto them and just hoping that something sticks I mean who knows I honestly don't know they've had to come through a huge swing of life changes with me and we hope that the right things come out at the end and but at the end of the day they're on their own experience and their own journey it sounds like you are doing a beautiful job of showing up for them. And as you said, our kids are on their own path. So it's all we can do as moms is our absolute best. But I love those tips and tricks that you just shared with everyone. Our next question is from Jenna. She is a nurse from California. And she says, what was instrumental in your recovery from an eating disorder to now having so much love and respect for your body? I wasn't ever fully diagnosed with an eating disorder, but I think that for me, it was just that awareness of, like I said before, people kind of commenting on how good I looked when I knew full well I was at my least healthy and also understanding that there wasn't happiness at a size. So awareness is a big piece of that, like really understanding what makes us happy and what makes us tick and leaning into that a whole lot more, whether that is, you know, spending time alone or spending time with people or spending money in the right ways, whatever that looks like for you, just like really diving in and paying attention to 
you know, those feelings. I feel like I'm very good at suppressing feelings and it's been a bit of a learning experience to kind of tap into them a little bit more and tap into my whys. I've also had to stop weighing myself. There was a, an incident back in the summer. I was in the middle of a move. I weighed myself on a different scale and I didn't really take note that it was a different scale, but I was five pounds up and I, I really, it really started to change my behavior, the way that I was thinking about myself in the mirror, everything. Like I was just a completely internally, just like having an entirely new battle that was incredibly frustrating. And then at the end of the move, I unpacked my other scale and I put myself on that and it was five pounds less. And I realized that all of the stress and all of this burden and all of this disgustingness I felt when I looked in the mirror was so traced to a number that was absolutely false the entire time. It had zero to do with my worth. It had zero to do with my truth. And I allowed it this power over me. So I ditched the scale. Been one of the best things I've ever done. It caused me a little bit of anxiety at first. Took me a little bit of understanding that like I didn't automatically gain 10 pounds. And then also just, again, just recognizing that women's bodies are so different and that they do ebb and flow. And sometimes you might look and feel a little bit leaner. And sometimes you might feel, I had a ton of salt on a, my trip last week. We had this like one dinner. It was so salty. And like my face was so puffy afterwards. Like my jeans were fitting tight. And like that morning they were totally fine. Like our bodies change like a ton. They're going to change and we need to be a little bit more um, grace filled towards our own selves and allowing us those like little ebbs and flows and just not so much pressure on ourselves, I guess, which I think that's where the scale kind of came in for me. So yeah, hopefully that answers it. Yeah. See ya scale. See you later. <laughs> it's just a number. Get rid of it. Okay. We are going to dive into some raw rapid fire questions. So these are questions where you are answering the first thing that comes to mind. It is short and sweet. We're not digging deep anymore. This is just, okay. you know, what, what comes up for you. All right. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What is your spirit age? 28. What does self-love mean to you? Intentional, um, intentional living. Mm, love that. If you could pick one word to describe what you want this year to be for you, what would it be? Uh, genuine and raw. Oh, I can only say one word. Genuine. It's hard. It's hard. This is hard. Okay. Name name three women that you really love. Uh, I'm going to say my mother. She is amazing and she's just so instrumental in so many ways in my life. Um, my best friend, Ariana, she's a decade younger than me, but she is so incredible at keeping me in check and with good perspective. And I'm going to call her my IG bestie. Um, simply Sadie Jane. She's this like girl from Utah. I just love her. I love her energy. I love how she calls all her friends a hoe. So much I love about her. Um, <laughs> like just love her. So those are my three. Yeah, amazing. How long does it take you to get ready in the morning? Or actually, I'll say, how long does it take you to get ready before you do a photo shoot? Before a photo shoot? Oh, uh, honestly, it really depends on my hair. Uh, if my hair is fine, then 10 minutes on like a really, I have like a five minute routine, a 10 minute routine and a 30 minute routine. So usually in there, if I have to blow dry my hair though, like add an hour. I mean. That's just a whole nother conversation. Blow drying the hair. Come on. It's too much. It's I need the worst. Dyson's responsible with my <laughs> hair dryer. But it feels so good once it's done. I know. It's true. <laughs> okay. What is your love language? Gifts. Gifts. Yeah. It's kind of hard though, because when it's gifts, then there's like a lot of responsibility on like the other person. I love like, and it can be so simplistic. Like I, it's like anything with a little bit of intention just means so much to me. When somebody sees something and they're like, oh, I saw this and I thought of you and I bought it for you. 
oh my gosh, like a gift like that is everything. Who do you Insta stock? Who do I Insta stock? Uh, I'm going to say McZazon. She right now is like, she just speaks to my soul a lot. So I'm going to say McZazon. Netflix, read or listen to a podcast? Ah, damn it. Oh, they're all different. Uh, I'm going to say Netflix. Habit you'd like to kick? Uh, probably distracted driving. Like, and I'm not just saying like texting. I'm just a distracted driver. I'll be like, ooh, a dog. Like, I'm just really bad. <laughs> Squirrel. Yeah, I'm a little bit of that for sure. And when you have kids as well, I feel like they're the biggest distraction in the car ever. Oh my gosh. Yes. How many tattoos do you have? Six. Three products you'd take to a deserted island. Products. Wow. I feel like a water filter might be a good one. Uh, moisturizing sunscreen. And um, let's say a romper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Plastic surgery, yay or nay? Oh, gosh. Each their own. What is your greatest wellness hack? I'm going to say a humidifier in the bedroom. Cool. Tell me more. Tell me more. Elaborate a little bit. Every winter, I struggle with like my skin and my hair. Everything dries out. I don't know what it's like for you out there, but like Toronto right now is like minus 20 degrees. It's cold. It's dry. Everything dries out. Having a humidifier has made my skin just like luminous. My hair is nice. Like everything is surviving. Okay. And it's really just changed my life this year. So I'm going to say a humidifier. Okay. I'm plugging my humidifier in tonight. I'm sold. Even my husband, like he has a beard and so he can get like, and get really dry underneath and his skin, like his face can get really peely as well. And I am like barely exfoliating because my skin is just like, so it's just good. Game changer. Game changer. Good to know. All right. One word to describe yourself. Uh, one word. I'm just going to say uh, realistic. I love it. You are very realistic and very real. Yeah. I mean, I try to be, and I try and be my own real. I think that everybody is like, everybody has a different measurement of what they think is okay and what's real and what's raw. And just choosing that for myself has been really nice. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation today. It has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so happy. You can find her on Instagram at the birds papaya or on her website, thebirdspapaya.com. Yeah, that's where I am. Instagram is definitely my wheelhouse. You'll find links to anything else that you want to find me on through there. Um, message me. I love to connect. If you ever really need to get a hold of me or you really have a big question, please email me anytime. Uh, the birds pie at gmail.com. I'm more than happy to spend some time digging into stuff with you. Amazing. And if you have any questions for Sarah, you can leave them in the comments. Leave us a review on today's podcast. We love to hear uh, how you've enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for being here, Sarah. Thank you. Talk to you soon. That's it for today's show. You can find Sarah over on her Instagram page at the birds papaya. Make sure you go follow her. It is one of the most inspiring accounts out there. All right, beauties. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single show. And if you like this episode, take a screenshot and share it on social tagging at raw beauty talks. We'll be regramming your posts every week. In case you were driving or had your hands full, we've created a free handout for you summarizing the key lessons and takeaways from this episode, which you can download in the show notes. As we wrap things up, remember your body is different than any other body out there. 
So as you listen to these episodes, keep tuning back into yourself to see what really resonates. Above all else, remember, you are worthy, you are beautiful, and you are not alone on this incredible journey called life. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.